We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. We are talking pro wrestling on this show. And if Twitter and our reverse rap pack group chat is any indication of how this conversation is going to go, we are going to have a fun episode today because we're talking AEW, putting on an episode of Dynamite that was more like a pay-per-view than it was a traditional episode. A lot of surprises some I liked, one that I didn't like, and I'm getting crushed for one not liking it. We're also going to talk about NXT, their go-home show, and NXT TakeOver War Games, which is happening this weekend, and then we'll touch on the WWE main roster before we get out of here as well. Old man, while we kick this off, though, I will admit, if everyone is listening to our show uh, that came out on Monday, or excuse me, Wednesday this week, we had a talk about Drake versus Chris Brown, who's the king of hits. I may have been wrong in that take, but th- this was a mild take. It wasn't even a hot take. It was a mild take. You just said no one could stand up to him. I said, maybe Chris Brown. Then I started thinking about it. and I was like, you know what? Chris Brown's probably a bigger hit maker. I was wrong. Okay, cool. People broke out the stats. 
people are statisticians on Twitter. Like Chris Brown has 246 top one, or excuse me, Drake has 246 top 100s. How can you say, okay, I get it. I don't have a open just stats guy in front of me during this whole show. We're not, that's not our budget yet. I went with a feeling. All right, maybe it was wrong on this one. I'm giving you this one. Not you don't have to give it to me. I'm we'll taking it. One. You were wrong, like super wrong. Possibly. No, it's no possible. Like you question the fact that I use Billboard to justify who has bigger hits when Billboard justifies what a hit is. Not shit that you like, hits. Yeah, but I didn't say someone like someone ridiculous was the best hit maker. Like I didn't say like, oh, the baby's a better hit maker than Drake. Like no, you say I you went say, to the number two guy. I don't even think Chris Brown's the number two two guy. Oh shit, who's above Chris Brown? Beyonce. Oh no, I said guys specifically. There's women. Oh, you want to? You just want to pick guys? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, there's. I mean, because we we did it kind of like in a hip hop context, like where you do a little R and B and hip hop. Yeah, no, it's, it's Beyonce's Drake. a bigger star. Rihanna probably a bigger hit maker. I mean, um, Drake has this category on lock. The only person who can touch Drake in the hit making category, and historically, is somebody like a Michael Jackson, because Drake, the output. It's not fair. Yeah, you can't really judge either. That's like the NBA now. Be like, oh, it's three-point shooting. Like, yeah, they take a million threes every game. Yeah, but, you know, it's, the output is just clearly not fair. Like, Michael Jackson is the biggest star in the world ever. And if, if anybody even tries to bring up Beyonce, as much as I love Beyonce, no. There's no, big, there's no no bigger star than Michael Jackson. None. And I, I would dare any of you to come for me on this. I can't even argue that. There's, there's none. So, but when it comes to Drake and when it comes to hit making, we're talking about, we're talking about multiple genres. We're talking about, you know, some people was like, well, he's featured. Yeah, he makes the feature. Like he is the hook guy on a lot of those features. Yep. Like no new friends. Nobody knows a verse off that song except for the hook. No, nah, I'd have to hear it. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like Drake, his his hooks, like Aston Martin music, like Drake, everything that he does is ends up being quoted on social media. It's some kind of skillful ploy that bleeds into our subconscious, where everybody high and low, like you can come from any neck of the woods, and this is what I'm also talking about. I'm talking about hits, like it's universal. It's just not. It's not just black people. Everybody loves a Drake song. That Tussie yeah. Slide shit is corny as hell, but it's a hit. And no, it was. Kids love it. Like, that's all, again, when we talked about Drake, that's always been my problem with Drake is he, he doesn't give you anything that has a lot of weight to it. And the reason for that is, is because it's a hit. <laughs> like, that's, that's what hits are. Hits are like these very, I don't want to call them generic, but they lack a lot of substance. Yeah, because everyone has to relate. And theoretically, what, for it to be a hit. And he does it better than anybody anybody and it's stupid because he continues to he won't stop doing it but like there are very few songs and genres that drake touches that where it's not it's not it doesn't feel weird when he does r&b it's almost like comfortable no it is very comfortable i mean he's done it from the start i think that's where a lot of people hated on him originally was because he went back and forth so seamlessly and then that just grew on everyone, and it was undeniable what Drake was. And again, when he wants to rap, rap, like when he wants to be a rappy ass rapper, he can do it. 
Yeah, he is. So a you chameleon. can't tell him shit. He's a chameleon. He does. He does a little bit of everything. So yeah, uh, like your Chris Brown take. Like yeah, I get it. Chris Brown's like a star, yeah, but it wasn't my strongest take. It's okay. I didn't like. I wasn't dying on that hill, so I could easily be talked out of that one. Well, there you I go. I was just thinking aloud on our podcast. This is what we do here from time to time. We're all family here. And so I was thinking aloud, and I was like, oh, you know what? I think Chris Brown could, could give him a run. Nope. And I was like, yo, Chris Brown got a ton. Chris Brown does have a ton of hits. But then when people came with the statistics, it's like, you know what? Drake has more hits. And I was like, fuck, you're right. It's, it's abuse. When you're going in the hundreds, like Chris Brown, I think after all the numbers were thrown at me, had like 142 top 100 hits. And you're like, yo, that's a lot of fucking hits. Until someone told me Drake had 240. It's crazy. And then and you, I was just like, that's ridiculous. And then you just go into number ones? It's absurd. It's, it's again, it's not fair. I totally get why, like, hip-hop purists don't like Drake. I get it. Which is I'm weird because you're a hip-hop purist. Yeah, but I, but I, look, if anybody follows me on Apple Music, like, you, like, I listen to a lot of rap, but my regular rotation of listening is not hip-hop. So it's like, it's I'm a hip-hop purist, but I truly appreciate other genres of music. And Drake borrows from a lot of genres that I like. Like, Dreams Money Can Buy, oh, god damn it, why can't I think of the sample? Uh, it's a song that I like, like, when I, he samples things from, like, Deep House and, like, Euro shit that I'm yeah. like, who else does this? And I, and I appreciate that aspect of it. So, yeah, I'm a hip-hop purist, but I don't only listen. Like, I know people that only listen to hip-hop. So, I get it. If you don't listen to Drake, I totally get it. Even if you don't, even if you do listen to other genres and you just think Drake is corny, I get it. And I'll be like, all right, cool. I'm not going to argue with you about it. Yeah. But I can see why. Like we just thought about yesterday, the man only really talks about himself. But you can't argue that he makes hits. I can't, can't argue, argue that he makes hits. So can't argue with it. If, I'll take if the you hate L him. on that one. See, I came back next show right off the bat. I'll take the L on that one. Sometimes the hot take doesn't pan out like you think it does when you're saying it on air. It won't be my last hot take. I will have stronger hot takes like handshake deals, four million that. sold. There, there's a lot of good ones out there. This one, eh? This one I'm not even standing by. Um, <laughs> You got me thinking about hits, though, and I went into, you know, the YouTube bag while I was working last night. And I was like, okay, let me throw this on. And it made me think there's few people like Drake that can make 246 hits. There's more people who can only make one hit. And I went down the rabbit hole of one hit wonders in hip hop. Like wild shit. And one thing I noticed and this is all going to lead to us putting together our Mount Rushmore of one-hit wonder hip-hop songs. But first thing that I noticed is Houdini had joints. Yes. I started listening, because I, I like Houdini, but I started really listening. They got like four or five tracks. And I was very saddened that I couldn't put them on this list of one-hit wonders. Houdini was dope. If they came out in 2020, they would have been fine. Everyone got a ghostwriter. Poor Houdini. <laughs> Um, bad, bad time. Wrong place, wrong time. And then, two, I really don't like shit. Like, there's some stuff that I was going through and, like, I was checking out a list and I was going song by song just to see what it was so I can make this an educated list. And uh, 
looking back on it, there's some shit that was really whack. And I'm just wondering, like, yo, how is that a hit? Like, whacker than Tootsie Slide. Like, Vanilla Ice, Ice Ice Baby is super whack. Yes. But that shit was ginormous. I didn't, I didn't like... Like, back then, I liked MC Hammer a lot. I don't think that shit was that good, listening yesterday. No, I it, mean, it doesn't age well at all. No, but he's not a one-hit wonder either. No, he had like two or three. I mean, his one hit is so big that he could be a one-hit wonder, but no. No, nah, he, had, he had hits. He had hits. Yeah, I mean, he was a crazy selling artist. But he had one hit that was just so much bigger than all the other hits. But even then, like, yeah, he's just... Like that whole genre of music, I could really go without it. Something was something was in the air like 91, 92 that just made really shitty poppy hip hop. That I got stuck in. I was like, oh my God, this is horrible. But a lot of my picks come from that genre. Right. So I would give you my Mount Rushmore. And then I'll give you one kind of current one that didn't make it, but I think deserves credit. So wait. Before, because so I need to start thinking. Are we talking just hip hop and R and B? Are we talking about in general? No, no, just hip hop. Oh, okay. I didn't even really put R and B. Okay, just hip hop. All right. Yeah, because there's there's too much. Like a lot of these are like cheesy ass hip hop songs though. But yeah, they they are hip hop at their core. So number one, Rump Shaker. Oh God, Rex in Effect. Rex in Effect. Rump Shaker is my number one on Mount Rushmore. Is Rump Shaker. I listen that shit a hundred times. In a row. <laughs> and I have no qualms about it. And then number three, or excuse me, number two, I got five on it. Ooh, the loonies. <sighs> boy, that was so dope. Boy, you can't even get away from that one. No, so dope. And it's just a perfect one-hit wonder single. I'm going to get someone that says, loonies are actually dope. They got more than one. No, that was it. I got five on it. Yeah, and I bought Operation Lockdown. So, I mean, Operation Lockdown, was that the name of it? Yeah. I bought, I bought Yuck Mouse Joint. Like, yeah. No, that's it. You can Operation like other songs, Lockdown? but that's it. Operation. Operation God. Stackola. It's Operation Stackola. Yeah, I'm thinking yeah, the fucking Healthy Skelter. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Oh, no, yeah. No, no, I'm looking at it. I was like. Bugging. All right. Continue. Uh, my third joint, Jump Around. House of Pain, a one-hit wonder. Yeah. I mean, that, that hit won't go yeah, away. That's I mean, a song that again, won't go away. People leaving the group, to me, does not make the group void of being a one-hit wonder. That's another caveat I went through this list with, which the one that didn't make it is in that same realm. And then uh, I didn't like, you know, like, I'm not putting Baby Got Back on this. Like, I had to skip that. Um, My other joint, the last one, number four, was It Takes Two. Rob Bass, DJ, DJ Easy Rock. I love It Takes Two. Never heard from Rob Bass again. <laughs> he to- he's toured 30 years off of this track. Yeah. That was my four. I couldn't get out of that genre. I tried, and I Soldier Boy and shit was cool, but Soldier Boy had multiple hits. It took me going to Duffel Bag Boy because of that Lil Wayne hook to find another one-hit wonder track from like recent that I was like yo this shit is flames yeah I mean and I had to separate because 2 chains wasn't 2 chains yet yeah it was titty boy yeah so people were like oh my god that's not a one hit wonder 2 chains has a ton of one hit one or uh, hits no but as a group they did not have hits that was it and Duffel Bad Boy 2 chains bodies that verse 
Yeah. Yeah, he did. That is my fault. <sighs> See, so when you when you said one hit wonders, like I thought of like outside the genre. I thought of Hadaways, What Is Love. Um, oh, that's so good. <laughs> I thought of this an amazing song, right? I thought that's of so Aha. Um, uh, damn, what else was I thinking of? Um, I thought of Take on Me. I thought of obviously Return to the Mac, but you said not hip hop. Return of the Mac has has had a new life. Like the shit just came out two years ago. Yeah, that shit is dope. That's that's fringe. Because I feel like hip-hop culture latched on to Return of the Mac. Yeah, but it's not a hip-hop song. It's like like computer love. So, all right. One Hit Wonders. Off the top. Audio 2 top billing. Um, (laughs) Immediately. Because that song song is is still one of my favorite joints. And I couldn't name... Even though I had that, I can't name another song. Um, Sugar Hill Gang, Rapper's Delight. Because name another fucking song that they had. No, I just hate that song. <laughs> uh, let me think. See, I was gonna put this on there, but then I don't know if it's hip hop R and B. Domino's Ghetto Jam. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> oh, you're in the bag. Oh Off yeah, the top of the dome in the bag. Yeah, Domino's Ghetto Jam. Like that was one of the first like sing songy rappers, especially from the West Coast. Um, Skilos. I wish it was a little bit taller. Wish I was oh, a baller. Classic. That, I love that video. <laughs> love the video. Um, but see, then there's other songs. See, there's a lot of people don't remember Paperboy's Diddy. That was a joint. Paperboy's Diddy. Yes. But it, it, it didn't make my list as I'm thinking about this. Here's a song that I'm thinking of. I didn't like, but it wouldn't go away, and we never heard from this guy again. Mims, This Is Why I'm Hot. Why I'm Hot. Yep. <laughs> that shit was huge. And it, it, it wouldn't go Away. Another song that I thought of uh, was um oh my god, what was his name? Uh, uh, Little Troy's "Want to Be a Baller." Oh, that song is dope. That's still like a rotation. Yeah. That, that and another one I thought you were gonna say. Those are very similar. Is Positive K? I got a man. Ah oh, yes, Positive K's I got a man. <laughs> the man went fire. He he flipped the script and people were like, "That's not him as the woman." Yes, it was. Um, <laughs> one last one. And I have is, is it B B Rock? Oh, my baby daddy. I don't even know what you call that. Except my baby daddy. Who that is? That's just my baby oh, daddy. Oh, baby daddy. Who that? My baby daddy. That's it. Look for, to this That's day. Whenever I hear somebody say who that is, I like I don't know who talk like that. Who that is? There ain't even fucking <laughs> consonants in there. He just says it. My baby daddy. Yes, one hit wonder. But yeah, like that shit was fire. But Snow Informer. Almost yes, the list I can't remember the other dude's name. I can't remember his name. Here comes the hot stepper. Oh my god! Oh, yo, I, I, uh, Camozo. Yes, Camozo. Whatever, because yeah. I remember I had like my friend. Okay, so I had a white friend in grade school, and like <laughs> yo, he would not stop playing that in Snow's Informer. It would drive me nuts. Like yo, absolutely Snow could nuts. Spit, though. That's what's crazy. Snow was crushed in that shit. Um, Crisscross Jump is something I liked when I was younger. I listened back to it. It's all right. Like, I mean, the beat's incredible. I rather, like, I played last night, and then I had to go to Nipsey. Because Nipsey bodies that beat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So Hustle in the House is now his and not even Crisscross's. And then the other one, which I didn't count as um, a one-hit wonder, that was high on every list that I saw was Craig Mack flavoring year. Man, yeah. Because the remix to me is a whole different song. 
Well, yeah, obviously. So that is two hits. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I do right, appreciate. Like, I do appreciate you putting. I got five on it because I got five on it. You could play that joint tomorrow, and the remix with E Forty. I still that joint still goes in, and I w- I would have totally forgot it was a one hit wonder. But yeah, yeah, That's, everything's from back in that genre. Ahmad back in the day. Oh, dude! A lot of people don't know Ahmad had a dope ass album. Really? Yes. But see, look here's. Again, this is like diving into my little hip-hop history. I remember when Back in the Day first came out, and I was like, what is this? And I listened to Back in the Day. And if, like one of my favorite song, rap songs of all time, literally, it's one of the songs that truly gotten into me in the lyricism because I wrote down every word of it, was Raz Cast Ahmad and Safir's Come With It from the Street Fighter uh, movie soundtrack. And I remember, because I went to the store, this might have been 95? With Jean-Claude Van Damme? yes. So I bought the soundtrack because it had like it had Nas on there, it had Pete Rock, CL Smooth was on the on the soundtrack, but then this song was on there. I want to say it was ninety five, maybe ninety four. I don't remember what year it was. Um, shortly after Illmatic came out, it had uh, uh, Far Side's Pandemonium was on there. But I heard the song and I I, I listened to it. and I was like, oh my! And I hadn't really heard a Raz Cast at this point. And the, the bars that he spits on this song, and it sucks, it's not even on iTunes anymore. The Street Fighter 2 soundtrack is nowhere to be found. I think it was, can't remember the label. But those three, and they were being West Coast MCs, murdered it. Absolutely murdered it. But Ahmad, because when I heard it, I was like, oh, it's Ahmad. Back in the day, Ahmad. Nope. Not on that joint. Yeah, I got to find this song now. Killed it. <laughs> they killed killed it and like mind you i listened to a lot of like other things but that was my first time like i list i bought that soundtrack because Nas was on there in the far side and i was like yeah buying it because of them i heard that song to this day it is one of my favorite hip-hop songs of all time come with it is wow. incredible <laughs> yo you yeah you're just in the bag with this one but yeah man no i was it's crazy it's hard to pick just four it one hit one is does black rob's woe qualify as a one hit wonder it does. Mm. I mean, that's on my list. Some puff songs. I gotta move something Whoa. off of the list. Whoa, was Whoa's incredible. Uh, I'm looking at it like so. This list I have in front of me that I kind of went through, kind of breaks stuff down in genres, like at least through the years, right? So you have early '90s, mid '90s, early 2000s. Um, one that's right next to Whoa is Rich Boys. Throw some D's on. That's better than Woe. And I, I'm, I'm from New York. I, and I still mm, think Throw Some D's on. And Woe is fire. Mm, but I don't know. Throw Some D's on is fucking crazy. Yeah, Polo the Don put his foot in that joint too. <laughs> My it's, God. It's and just seeing them next to each other? I don't know if I could put Woe above that. I don't know, man. Woe was like, Woe had us just singing Woe for no reason in particular. Oh, they have my shit on here. Deja Vu. Shout out to Peter Guns. Y'all, before yo. the Creep Squad. So here's something, like, we got to move on. But <laughs> Samsung, like, okay, I have a bunch of Samsung smart TVs in my house. And just now I realized that Samsung has its own, like, list of channels. I never knew this until, like, my wife was watching something and it just kind of, she was watching something on Hulu and then Hulu, like, cut off. And it went to this thing and I thought it was Hulu and I was like, it's not. So Samsung has its own list of channels. And on this list of channels is, like, Fox Soul, which I've never seen before until I actually stumbled across it. 
So I'm flipping through the channels with my wife. They got like a crime channel, a bunch of other shit. There is a channel dedicated to love and hip hop. Nothing but love and hip hop. Every season in order. Now, it's like a TV show. You can't record it. can't do anything else. It just plays all day long. And it happened to be the season with Peter Guns and Amina Butterfly. And (laughs) yo... Yeah, I love that season. Oh, my God. And, and all my wife oh. could talk about is Peter Guns' dirty feet. Because there's like a scene where he's on this little couch. And they make fun of Rich Dollar's bed because he's like a, like a twin bed. And, <laughs> yo, that yo, I, that show was like That's where so Samaya stupid. Reese was living in the attic. Yeah. Above they, they, the studio. So, I, like, I, my wife starts watching because she, you know, she's in law school doing it. And so, she leaves something on in the background. That's what she does. She puts something on that she doesn't have to pay attention to. I have to do the same thing. I can't pay attention to things while I work. So she left it on. I went downstairs. It came back up. I did my work, whatever. And the season with Joe Budden was on there. I totally forgot about this season. My wife was like, you remember when Consequence hit him in the back of the head? I was like, yo, yep. that happened. Joe Budden has been slapped a couple of times. Yeah, he has. But, he, but Joe was like, <laughs> problematic. he tells like Consequence, like, I like it like that. And I'm like, yo, what? Fucking Joe is nuts. But I've known Joe is nuts for years. But I forget yeah. the world saw him being a fucking lunatic. And then yep. he tried to propose it to Hiri. Like, but there to know that there is a channel dedicated to love and hip hop, and a lot of listeners are gonna start looking for this because it's it's a guilty pleasure. Like women love the real housewives of Atlanta because it's stupid, but it doesn't take a lot of brain power to watch it. Like me and my wife, I stopped watching Love and Hip Hop. I couldn't take it anymore. I started getting dumber every time I watched it. But when it every, comes on every episode of <laughs> Yo. I, I just can't believe this was a thing. Like, Jen DePen was on there. The funny thing is, the reason why I was watching it is because a lot of those people I knew in New York when I was at BET, and I would see, like, Jen DePen, like, I'd see him, and then to watch him on the show, it's like, what the fuck? Like, Hazel E was somebody who's a good friend of mine. I don't know who that person is now. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, that it's person? It's a character. It's a gimmick. Yo. It's all the work. Yo. I, like, she caught... So, again... Hazel E's name is Erica Adams, her real name. And I've known her because she was a publicist working with Echo Haddix. If anybody knows Echo Haddix, you'll know who I'm talking about. Echo, LA, big, just super big publicist. And Erica was a publicist in this, and one day she calls me. We were really good friends, like, we hung out together. She introduced me, we were boyfriends. She didn't have all that work done that she has on the show. I remember I get to BET, like, she congratulates me, like, this is how cool we were. She was one of the early people I told that I was going to BET. And when I get to BET, she calls me. I remember at the gas station, freezing cold in Jersey. And she's like, Andreas, um, I'm thinking about starting a rap career. And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> and she's like, no, I'm serious. I'm gonna, she had a song called Valley Girl. And I was like, this is never going to work. This is never going to work. Did you tell her it wasn't going to work? I was like, oh, you need some work. Right? Like, I, I wasn't. <laughs> I didn't want to crush your dreams. Because she was like the homie. Like, she was the homie to the point where, like, at Hip Hop DX, we had a thing called um, Beauty and Brains, where we had a segment where we interview women who look good, but we talk about, like, their life outside of just being a model. And she introduced me to Melissa Ford, who I've been friends with. And, like, she was she was a great connector. So I didn't want to just shit on her and just be like, yo, this is never going to work. But I heard it, and I was like, I can see a lane for this, but it ain't for me. And now... You look all these years later, and I remember, like, I'm watching Love & Hip Hop. Was it Love & Hip Hop? Yeah. And my wife is like, isn't that? And I'm like, yeah. I was like, I don't know who that person is anymore. That person, completely different than the woman I used to know. 
Like that's so wild. totally different than the woman I used to know. Like, like I don't. By, even, the, by the way, mm. I will throw my Timberland at anyone who says Joe Budden is a one hit wonder. Let me just put that shit out there since you mentioned Joe Budden. If people mention Joe Budden, pump it up and say he's a one hit wonder. We fighting fisticuffs. No, you might be. You gonna have to fight a lot of people because you, you Nate Robinson. Whoever says it, they are Nate Robinson, and I am Jake Paul. Fisticuffs. I mean, you know. If you want to be like hits, Joe only has one. Yeah, one. Yeah. Unfortunately, in terms of a hit, by definition, Joe only has one. Even though I thought Fire was an incredible song that was ahead of its time. Oh, Fire! Yeah, I was about to say uh, he was on the Marcus Houston song. Yeah, but no. Up yes. in the club, he has one hit. Shit. You mentioned Joe Budden. Fortunately, he's been able to redefine his career. But for the longest time, he was pumping up. He has so many good albums. He has the number one mixtape series of all time. That's not a hit. It's just a mixtape. That's ridiculous. No, it's you not. Have the best, you have the best collection of work in an entire genre, <laughs> which is mixtapes. Like, you're battling Lil Wayne's dedication series, Royce Bar exam. Like, Moon Music is the best out of all of them. 50 Cent, G-Unit is the future. Like, so you say. Radio. This music is the best collection, like mixtape collection ever. White kids in suburban America will not agree with you. He's a one-hit wonder to them. Oh, my God. Fisticuffs. Ah. For all of you guys, fisticuffs. We got to go to break. Damn. See, that soured me to this whole topic. Uh, By the way, one song that I thought you would also pick, Lords of the Underground, Chief Rock. Yeah. No. It it, it didn't land. I feel like that's your shit, though. Yeah. Yeah. uh, so many good one hits wonders. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed that seg- segment. When we come back, it is all pro wrestling talk. We got to talk about AEW. Their big surprise from Wednesday night. Dre saying that I'm a WWE apologist. I know. I didn't say you were an apologist. We'll talk about it. Go to break. We'll, right after we come back from break, you guys will know what we're talking about. Stay right there. All right, we'll get back to the show in a second. But first, 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical, and Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world, with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visit Indeed each month, according to Comscore. So it's clear Indeed can help get you the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. 
All right, we are back, and it is time to talk pro wrestling. We're talking about AEW. They had Winter is Coming, special episode of AEW Dynamite, in which, surprise, surprise, I thought was pretty good, Dre. It, was, it had its ups and downs, like most shows, but I thought they hit on some things that I needed cleared up, and I enjoyed the show. You seem to think that I only say bad stuff about AEW, which is false. I say good stuff all the time. I like the product. I am critical of certain things. All right, we're going to have to go ahead and do this. So, for those of you who are not in our group chat, which is like everybody that's listening to this podcast and for our few friends, you are the first person who finds something negative to say about Dynamite all the time in the chat. Never. All the oh, time. In the chat? Yes. So, so for those who, like, here, here's what happened. Last night, Dynamite happened. I believe Dynamite happened while we were recording. And yeah. NXT. And I mute the group chat because I despise spoilers. So I let the crew talk about whatever it is they're talking about. I don't go on Twitter. I don't do nothing. So when I'm, like, dead silent, it means that I'm avoiding something. So I was dead silent on social media um, for a day, from almost a day. Turned off my mentions. I was like, I want to see this because I really wanted to see the Omega Moxie match with no spoilers. Um, so I'm watching Dynamite first, NXT last. Uh, I flip it sometimes depending on what's going on. And the part we're going to talk about is Sting. Complete surprise. Something that I had no idea was going to happen. And when it happens, a number of things go through my mind. Initially, the first thing I thought was... Wow, it's Sting. And he's back on TNT, the home of Nitro. And then I hear Shivani call, it's Sting. And I'm like, this feels right. Because this is where he should be. It never felt right in WWE. Sting, just it just didn't feel right. And then obviously he gets hurt by Rollins. His career ends. He loses at WrestleMania to Triple H. Like, none of that shit ever felt right. AEW felt right. It felt like hearing Shivani call it, it just felt right. As it happens, I go, I should look at the chat, but I'm not. Because I need to finish watching these shows. But I can guarantee, in my head, I go, I can guarantee myself that the first person going to say some shit about this is Kel Dansby. <laughs> After I watch NXT I mean, and AEW, I scroll through our chat where other reckless shit is happening. And I get to the part where Sting comes out. And the homies are all like, yeah, Sting, all oh, this is great. And here comes Kel, another 60-year-old wrestler. He always he's 67. And then he just started shitting on it. I'm like, why are you shitting on it? I don't well, understand we've this. A, we've done a wrestling show together for six years now. I would assume you know me. Yeah, but I'm so, just... So, you knew I was going to shit on Because, again, it wouldn't be bad as a standalone. Or if he was the third veteran that they've done, like a great a grand reveal or, you know, hyped up. Or it made, oh my God, it feels special to have them. If he was the third one, I get it. They've been around for a year. They've done this shit 12 times. They have not had a great, how many grand reveals have they, how many like true surprises that they've had with a Taz rest, was a surprise. Was he the caliber he the of Sting? Come on. No, man. okay, they're not the caliber. But when you do this for every single veteran who's 60 plus or 50 plus, like then you wore off. Some of my feelings towards popping when Sting, Sting came out. That's all I was saying. Is that 
if they didn't do this for Jake the Snake, if, they, if I didn't see DDP at Double or Nothing, if I didn't see Arn Anderson come out and surprisingly be in Cody's corner, and then, um, shit, you keep on going. They just bought Vicky Guerrero to do something in the women's division. You, you have all these older talents. Tully Blanchard comes out. He's been with two different factions. Or a guy in the faction. Like, you you have this thing that you've done eight times and then still want me to pop for Sting. To the point of anything, anytime something feels special, it's like, okay, what vet are you bringing in next? But it's Sting. Do you understand? Like, okay, WWE does this all the time. Well, I was never a Sting guy. But there, I don't like there's when the WWE problem. does it either. There's the problem. You're not a Sting guy. I hate guy. when Taker comes back all the time. But you're not a Sting guy. No, no, and there like and that's therein lies the problem. Sting God, was WCW. Sting yeah. was Monday Nitro. Like when you know, Ed, what? let me let me rephrase that before people jump on my fucking neck. I liked blonde hair surfer Sting. I never bought into the crow shit. See, you're wild. Like th- that man. Okay, so look, look, you can buy into blonde hair surfer Sting. Sting was the fabric of WCW. I agree. There is there is nobody, and this includes Flair, because Sting never left. Yeah, Sting was there from day one. So if you were doing the Monday Night Wars and flipping channels back and forth, and even prior to that, because when the WCW was at its low point, Sting was still there. When Flair left, won the Royal Rumble, became WWF champion, Sting was still in WCW. Sting was winning classic champions. Sting was wrestling stunning Steve Austin. Sting was wrestling the Great Muda. At Starcade 88, Future Shock. Like, Sting was always around. And he never left. And the thing was, it was like Dr. J if he never left the ABA to go to the NBA. That's how a lot of people looked at Sting. And by the time the Sting came to the WWE, he, it was they didn't even utilize him like Sting. Yes, the reveal was cool, but then he fucking lost. Like, who does that to Sting? <laughs> You don't do that yeah, to Sting. Triple H didn't need that. <laughs> he didn't need to go over on Sting. No, he didn't need that. And that whole thing was so WWE booked because like trying to make sense of why the NWO would help Sting just was silly. But because what was Sting doing? He was against the NWO. Yeah, he was the foil. He was the baby face. Like, Sting was the... break him up. Yes. Sting... Until they put him in the wolf pack and... Well, that's when it got left. stupid, right? Like, when the NWO, yeah. when, when, like, me and you were in the NWO, because that's basically what it was like when it was, like, us in the NWO, it. it just got absurd because nobody cared anymore. Like, it just got ridiculous. But I like the Mexican version, though. <laughs> the LWO? Somebody the put, LWO, Latino world. Somebody, yeah. no, randomly, somebody put up, Shea Serrano had asked somebody to do something, and somebody put up an LWO with all of our pictures on it. <laughs> so silly. Were you called in? Uh, I can't remember who I was. It's somewhere oh, on the man. internet. It's it's there somewhere. I saw it and I laughed. <laughs> uh, but so to see Sting, who was truly the man who kept WCW afloat, because if they lost Sting, we gotta kind of be honest with ourselves. It, I don't see WCW getting far without Sting. Sting versus Hogan. Sting versus Flair. Sting versus everybody. Sting versus Vader. So. To see him basically come back home, like this is, this is a nostalgia. This isn't just bringing Taz back. Taz really had no home on TNT. Like this isn't really even Diamond Dallas Page because there was no like big shocking reveal with DDP. He just kind of showed up. Even Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson, they were like the brain busters in WWF. Sting was never there. TNT was always his home. So when he shows up, 
with the bat and like you not liking crow's thing is wild to me like because that was yeah i mean i know the pot I, I was rooting for the nwo by that like he was just messing with the side i was rooting for but so dog, that, that, i never really liked that that like dark sting was incredible and like years ago i wrote a story like sting was originally supposed to be the third member of the w of uh, the nwo originally didn't happen um but to, to, with, if if you, if you ask uh, other people, he was not supposed to be the third member of the NWO. Virgil said it was supposed to be him. Yeah, well, this <laughs> ain't a, don't know. I believe Virgil. I'm but, gonna pull that. I'm gonna pull that interview one day and just let it rock. You're gonna have to. But uh, <laughs> Sting's arrival at AEW to just show up was one completely unexpected. No dirt sheet had this information. Nobody talked about it. To see him come home with Shivani is that's true nostalgia, and it truly brought a pop out of me because I was like, I didn't see this coming. I wanted to see this show because of Moxie and Omega, and I got Sting home. Not necessarily wrestling. We don't know what Sting's gonna do, but if he signed with the company, I'm sure there's you know I I don't know which maybe. I don't want to say he's going to be like a general manager. I have no idea exactly how they're going to use him, but I hope they're going to be smart about it. But this this does not compare to anybody that AEW's brought in. No, not even close. Taz? No. Who else is there? What old head is there that that truly was like a big shock? Even Vicky Guerrero was like, "Well, shit, she ain't doing nothing." No, I think Arn and Tully. Um, Those were weren't two that, of them. That wasn't a surprise. DDP. That wasn't a surprise either. Jake, nope. Jake came out. Oh, I have this huge client, and cut a promo, and people were like Jake still has it. Oh my god, but that he was, cut a promo. That wasn't like a and, huge and surprise. Fucking Lance Archer comes out. No, but it's still, they're parading. Jake ushered in a surprise person that he was in their corner, which was Lance Archer. It turned out to be Taz. I have this guy. Blah blah blah. And it's Brian Cage, and then Sting was Sting, uh, right? There was no, there yeah, was no person was, attached to but, Sting. Okay, but if I didn't see a 60-year-old person every time, I'd be like, oh, that's cool. I mean, and, uh, you watch that, WWE every week? Can, they tried yeah, out 60-year-olds so, every fucking week. And I hate that shit. But <laughs> Ray Roster does. I can't stand it. And then you look at, like, Sting is great this week. He came out with the bat. Next week, wouldn't be shocked if they put him with Darby Allin. It's like, oh, he's a mentor to Darby Alley. You don't want to see him wrestle? If he's not wrestling, he's going to be the guy with Darby, and they're both going to have fucking matching face paint. Kel, listen. I don't, I don't understand why you, why you have to bring up bad shit when it was such a great moment just to see Sting come out. Why can't you just indulge in the moment? Oh, because you're not a Sting guy. There's not like... Yeah, like... If they brought out someone that like, yeah, that I liked a little more, maybe I would pop for it. But even then, I'd be like, another fucking old man. He's sixty-one. But you. What? But there's also a science behind all this. There is a science. Like as much as you don't like it, like there's a reason why they bring in some familiar faces in AEW, and the reasoning is simple. Us pro wrestling fans who watch the product essentially no matter what, this matters very little to us in the grand scheme of things. My father-in-law is a huge WCW fan. Huge. Went to Halloween of Havoc. All that shit. He's also, he doesn't watch the product anymore. Once WWE ran WCW and everybody else out of town, he just couldn't watch WWE. It just wasn't good. For a lot of people, they checked out. 
After the Monday Night Wars, like, my wife used to watch the Monday Night Wars with me. She hasn't watched wrestling since. She can't. She thinks it's stupid. But my father-in-law only remembers those, those people. So if I'm watching Dynamite and he walks in and he sees Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson, he'll sit down. He's like, what the fuck is this? Because you can't get a lapsed fan into a product with a bunch of new faces. It's just not going to work. Because they're lapsed fans. They need to see something they can grab onto. Which is proven because, like, WCW became the juggernaut they were and took taken out the WWE because they used familiar faces from the WWE. And that's what led people to, like, oh, they're going to be used differently here. But in AEW's case, they've only been around for a year. And, you know, they get the Taz, so they get the ECW fans, and they get DDP because whatever, and Cody Rhodes and Dusty Rhodes and all this shit. Sting is somebody that will stop people in their tracks just to see him on your TV. And it will make you wonder, what the fuck is this? And I'm going to watch it. They they don't do it for you and me. Remember when we talked about events yesterday? Tyson and Roy Jones? It's not for boxing fans. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to watch anything anyway. We don't give a shit. We'll watch anything. We'll watch the worst fights. We'll watch the best fights. But they got our dollar. They got our viewer viewership. They have us. But my father-in-law, if he would have walked in while I was watching Dynamite this morning and saw Sting, he stopped in his tracks. And he would be like, I need to watch this shit. That's who this shit is for. That's nostalgia. Which leads me to a tweet that you pointed out. And I want you to explain this tweet, and I want to—I want to explain why. I this was is, trolling you. That I know. Was it. I was just trolling. Okay, fine. At that point, but the, I'll say—I'll tell you the tweet. It says, "Bro, uh, hold on. I got to go to the tweet before." Someone says, "Sorry, you don't understand how nostalgia works, and how seeing Sting on TNT for the first time in 19 years was monumental. AW knows how to utilize legends of wrestling. That is debatable. This is awesome. I don't care what you say." To which. Shout out to at Seahawk, who replied, bro, I buy Jordan 3s every year and date women in their 40s. I understand nostalgia. I just don't like Sting. Fire response. That is the most. That, All the flame emojis. That is the dumbest response hilarious. in the world. It's like, yo, are you going to tell me I don't like nostalgia? I got Jordan 3s and women's in their 40s. But you know, that's not nostalgia, right? I understand the, the response is fire. You're trying to make sense of something. It's not facts. Shout out to Deezus and Miro. Facts don't matter on Twitter. Clearly. Fuck all that. Because, like, come on, man. Fire. You buy Jordan 3s, that's fire. nostalgia because Jordan 3s drop every goddamn year. Yeah. So kids don't really understand the nostalgia factor of a Jordan because they're released every goddamn year. You date women in your 40s? What the fuck does that mean? That popped. That popped me. That's just hilarious. Oh, God. oh man. There, I, he's trying to say I like old things more than nostalgic things. That doesn't even make any damn what? sense. <laughs> it like, still doesn't make sense. My God. But I get, get what he was into. At that shit is funny. Um, no, nah, yeah, like Sting just. Go ahead, say it. he doesn't do it for you. No, no, no. <laughs> That'd be a lie. Just explain. I like surface thing. Um, to me. Sting was kind of always the WCW version of Bret Hart. When I really liked Bret Hart, right? So, um, not just Scorpion Deathlock versus Sharpshooter, and like their their work rate, the move sets, how they worked. They weren't overly big, but they could work with big guys. They could work with small guys. Had even like that similar, like really broad shouldered build um, early on. Like they just reminded me a lot of each other. So I was like, all right, I can fuck with this. Um, I don't see that. Neither to at me. All. 
Oh, when I watched, that's just what what I got. I mean, outside like Surfers thing and, and Bret Hart to me like were very similar, just different promotions. So I was like, okay, I, I style wise, could dig this. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought they were not clunky big guys because I, I didn't think they were that big. Yeah, but they weren't clunky, but they could work big guys. They could actually wrestle, um, but they still were kind of athletic. Like you look at Sting, uh, what was that? Sting Flair. I mean, which was an amazing match. Like you just look at Sting, and it's like, I don't want to call him a tweener, because Brett wasn't a tweener necessarily, but to me they were like high work rate guys. That yeah, I can still see why they're they're at the top. You call Sting to me, a Sting high was work never, rate guy? I I think for the WCW days, like he could work with anyone. Like mm. was he Bret Hart the? excellence of execution Mm -mm. technician but for wcw i thought he was their version if you give me rick flair was wcw's hogan sting was their brett to me yeah i don't Um, see this one at all. that's just how i saw it so i was like uh and maybe the similar finishers again all this shit i I didn't think he cut a great promo i never thought brett cut a great promo um i just saw a lot of similarities between the two so I, i wasn't mad at it and then he he got the paint and stole the crow shit, and I saw the crow, and just taking your whole gimmick from a movie like just sat weird with me. So I wasn't like a huge fan. I'd never told people not to be a fan of him. Um, I'd beat his ass in all the video games, NWO versus WCW Revenge and shit. Like I would never be Sting. Like I would be the guy who you know does a, a lariat. He drops the bat, I take the bat and beat the shit out of him with it. It's very that was just memories. who I was as a kid. Okay. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's that's the first thing that pops up. We talked about this yesterday, right? How, like, video games made us sports fans. Yes. Or, like, the intricate sports fans. Video games made me a very intricate wrestling fan. And, uh, yeah, I remember Sting. He was on the cover of that. WCW versus NWO. And, like, in the game, you could, you know, just punch him two times or hit him with a clothesline. And he'll drop the bat. Then you beat the hell out of him with the bat. Free weapon. So, yeah, I just, I never picked him. I never liked him, like, as that character. It, it really was like, all right, like, him coming down from the rafters, I mean, it was cool, aesthetic. But, I mean, I, I was never a huge Sting guy. And then it was done for WCW. So, hmm. that was, like, three years later. How long did he have that uh, gimmick with the Crow? Three, right? I mean, from, let's see, 96. 97? 96, 97. And then the, I it's mean, two thousand. It was it was done in a blink. Eh, it wasn't really done. That's a long time to have a gimmick. Um, and look, I mean, the, under, the Undertaker is the only person who, who like maintains the same yeah. gimmick for like ever. That's fair. And then he became yeah. the American Badass, which was a weird. HBK had the HBK for like ninety three to two thousand. Yeah, but I mean, there was the Generation X HBK. There was yeah, he flipped it. God oh, HBK, like <laughs> there yeah, was so yeah. many HBK. <laughs> God HBK was a little odd at first. It was, was weird. Hard to digest. It was Vince McMahon versus God was weird. Yeah, yeah, it was. That yeah, that's not something I would show a very religious person. But, um, but Sting like the the change of character because Sting was Surfer Sting for so long, and the whole storyline behind the NWO turning and claiming they had Sting when they had Imposter Sting. Like, yo, I there was so much about Sting like. It makes me, for whatever reason, always makes me think about when the Ultimate Warrior was in like WCW for like a week. Do you remember this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, one, I, one Warrior yeah, Nation. It's fucking. Yeah, terrible. this was before the internet. 
um, where you could like Google and see if shit was real. Everyone in the hood was like, you know, Ultimate Warrior died, and this oh, is a fake Ultimate Warrior. He died like every week. Like he died like yeah. Ultimate. <laughs> so people thought like to me when I was growing up, I was like, oh, they got the fake Ultimate Warrior at WCW. Lo and behold, it was the real one for like a week. Boy, it, that shit was so bad. That shit was really bad. Anyway, let's talk about the rest of this damn show. Oh shit, I forgot we were talking about AEW. Um, okay, so the show itself, uh, real quick, Sheeta versus Abandon does nothing for him. Well, because they have not done really right. We've talked about it a million times. They're not doing well with Sheeta. No. And and Abandon either. Like, they haven't built that character up. Abaddon. It's just like she's a zombie. Which, excuse me? Abaddon. Abaddon? Yeah. Anyway. Um,. Abaddon. Yes, Abaddon, yes. I, but he, yes, I'm, I'm missing a whole letter. I don't know why I say abandoned. Odd. I thought it was abandoned. Who gives a shit? Right, Abaddon. The point cool. is, the point is, the weird thing about, so they had Cheetah cut, well, it wasn't a problem. She was getting interviewed backstage. And she's your AEW Women's Champion. And they ask her about her being scared of Abaddon. And she cowers and says, I'm not scared. Can we retake this segment? And they were like, no, it's live. And she leaves, and it makes her look like a complete coward. Name the last time a babyface champion was made out to be a coward on television. <sighs> Bro, like, I can't even call it. Yo, even, like, Macho Man got bit by Jake the Snake. He wasn't scared of the snake. He just got bit by that motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> like, you got to stand up to it. Like, I don't... I'm trying to think someone... I'm sure the Fiend punked out someone on this last run. It got to be Seth, right? Babyface Seth to the Fiend? I, yeah, I guess so. But I'm, He did some real scared shit. Like, the Fiend ended up in the corner. Yeah. And, like, he damn near cried one episode. Like, when the Fiend was in the corner and, that's and just, he, like, ran away. That's not good. That's not oh, good. Oh, yeah. He was in the corner, in the turnbuckle, on his knees. And, like, the Fiend was, like, hovering over him. And he was too scared to like open his eyes. He had like covered his face or some shit. That's you don't do that to your champion. No, you hated it. Like a, what a year and a half ago, it ruined Seth Rollins. It, it <laughs> did for that particular. As a baby face, it was over for him. From that point, no, moment it was on, over. It was yeah, a wrap. Like he cried. Yeah. Uh, just randomly because I do this from time to time. You guys know me. I'll just randomly think of things because I remember Jake the Snake biting Macho Man. Does anybody remember? And you can tweet me about this. Does anybody remember when Jake's when Damian Jake Snake ate Matilda, the British Bulldogs pit bull? Does anybody remember oh, this? I remember that. Fucking, I remember that angle. Yo, <laughs> fucking it. The, the snake ate the dog, and that was an angle. <laughs> anyway. That was genius. Just made me think of that shit. I'm sorry, because it, it never it never escaped me how ridiculous it was when they were like, Damien ate Matilda. And I was like, what? The, 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 the snake ate a dog? All right. I mean, it's possible. I mean, like, it's possible. But God it's, it's damn. It's very possible. Anyway. Let's keep it moving. <laughs> um, yeah, so that wasn't good. What's next? Young Bucks come up next. Um, what is this? They do a promo saying they're going to face uh, TH2 for the titles next week. I'm not sure where I stand as the, with the Bucks as champion. But this they have to buy time, right? Because we'll get to the end of this, but... I think it was going to heal Bucks, heal um, Omega, and, and kind of how they mesh. And I'm not positive that the Bucks are heel. They are not positive that they're heel. Okay, it's not just me then. No. I just, and I don't, again, I'm not crushing AEW. I'm just unclear of the Bucks' role right now. 
So maybe they were waiting to have all the titles, and then we'll see stuff come to fruition. I honestly can't tell you. It's one of the weird things, and it's something I'm going to talk about with NXT as well, that they did, and I was like, why are you doing that? Um, because the whole Bucks FTR thing, it just wasn't. We we all know it wasn't played. I enjoyed the match. Other, you know, I've seen you guys. Some of you guys didn't enjoy it as much. But then you have to do character work moving forward, and clearly they have they've splintered off. Like we've mentioned before, finally they've gone all kind of their own separate ways. All of them, even Adam Page, who's involved with the Dark Order. What the fuck? Um, I don't understand that shit at all. No, <laughs> John Silver's amazing, but that's not where this is heading. Uh, but yeah, man. Like, I don't know what the Young Bucks are supposed to be. The Young Bucks were always a great heel tag team in like Ring of Honor, right? And yeah. it, part of the Bullet Club, they were douchebags. But right now, you, you got to commit to it. Are you going to be heel or not? Because now, like FTR is coming back. Who are they wrestling next week? I can't remember. They are wrestling uh, TH Two. Okay. I think it's Jack Evans and Angelico. Yeah, which is, I'm sorry, it's a terrible misuse of Jack Evans. I don't know. I think that guy is amazing. He's so good. He's amazing. He's so Angelico's really good too. But Jack Evans, I remember watching mm-hmm. him at PWG, and he's just he's an amazing talent that's underutilized. Justin Ivy tries to talk me into Angelico like every month. Angelico's going to lucha underground, right? Okay, maybe that's why. Like, yeah, nah, Jack Evans to me is definitely yeah. Jack Evans is amazing. But but the, the whole point is like FTR lost the titles. And I think here's the problem that they were running into with AEW. AEW is really ambitious. And I applaud them for being ambitious because they're trying to give everybody TV time. But sometimes everybody doesn't need TV time. Because when you give too many people TV time, you're taking away from an angle that needs more attention. FTR just lost the titles. And the Young Bucks beat them in in a highly anticipated match. I'm not saying I need a Young Bucks FTR rematch immediately. But there's really was no fallout after that match. It just kind of they just moved on. Yeah, you should be angry. Yeah, like you should be some, something. At least use that to fuel yourself through this next rampage of the division or something. Yeah, I'm coming to get my titles back. You know, some shit. Give me something. They, and and if the Bucks were supposed to be heels and playing up, the, it's just so many things that I don't even think they're necessarily sure of with the Young no. Bucks. Maybe they'll figure it out, but. Right now, it's like, yeah, okay, cool, Bucks are champions. It's something that we all thought they should have been, but I don't know where this is all going. Yeah, I think this is one of the things where I'll give them the benefit of the doubt for now, and I will wait and see. Something that I am growing thin with patience for. What is Miro? Just hold off on him. Yeah. If this was the case, just wait. There, because this does nothing. Yeah, there's a problem with this. Is why I talk about AEW. So AEW gets guys like Miro, and they bring them in, and they're like, "We're not immediately going to put you into a high ranking spot because we're going to work your way up." But it's because wins matter. But when it, they've quickly realized. If you notice, they've kind of abandoned this whole sports thing. They're keeping the rankings, which is cool. But the whole like, we're going to treat this win loss record. Where wins yeah. they've kind of had to abandon it because they realize it's difficult to make weekly television. But somebody like Miro, I'm I'm not saying he needs to be in the title picture. That's a bad idea. But I think somebody like Miro needs to be in a meaningful feud. And what AEW has a problem with is 
characters who aren't necessarily doing anything, they can't figure out what to do with them. And they brought yeah, it outside of Britt Baker. Yeah. But Britt got hurt. If she wasn't hurt, I don't know if she would have been able to develop a character like she has. True. Miro with Kip Sabian makes absolutely no sense. And the whole best man thing is wild corny. We look at Miro and we remember how over Rusev was in the WWE. You, I have no problems if you bring him in as a monster who is by himself and put his ass to work. But they have so many of those guys. But that's the pro- That's what I'm saying. It's like you put him to work, but you put him to work as basically Miro, but as the monster that we remember as Rusev and give him some squash matches, give him something, but... Teaming him with Kip Sabian and having him kind of few with the best friends in Orange Cassidy, but then it never really fleshes out. Like it, it was over a video game. Bad storytelling. Yeah. It's just Horrible. they got they got to uh, they got they got to figure that out, man. He's too good just to kind of be bullshitting with. You can't really do that. Yeah, I don't like the idea of bringing him in as a babyface necessarily because he left WWE as a babyface. You know. Well, here's the problem. And it's a problem that they could easily avoid. And this is kind of something that WWE is doing. No matter what was going to happen, if there were fans there, there was no way he could come in as a heel. Impossible. Oh, yeah, that's true. But at a certain point, like, you got to figure out how to navigate those waters. Like, if he's going to be a heel, make him a heel. But you got to figure it out. When you didn't have no fans, well, I mean, you've had a little bit of fans. Like, it's hard to bring, like, anybody who debuts is going to get a pop. It's just what happens. So, but they, man, this just ain't working. But they can do something immediately to make them heal it. Just do, like, you have to, like, for me in WWE, this sounds silly, but the great equalizer right now, you could bring in anybody, including Roman Reigns, even if you thought Roman Reigns could never be a heel. Beat up Daniel Bryan. That'll turn you heel yep. <laughs> every, every time. time. <laughs> like it never every fails. Time. You can't do. Nope. You can't touch Daniel Bryan. You have to leave him alone. That will turn anybody heel. In AEW, I guess Orange Cassidy is kind of the consummate babyface at the moment. Yeah, he's just not that big though, where you feel it. Like that guy was Cody, right? Yeah, it wasn't even Cody because Cody was like you need like an ultra white meat babyface. And, like, Daniel Bryan has become that, even though he's been an excellent heel. Like, Oh, with crowds, I thought that was Cody. I thought he was, like, yeah. you beat up Cody. Like, yeah, he, that was your ticket to being a heel. Yeah, he's super over. But, like, Daniel Bryan's a different kind of over. Like, aw. <laughs> like, don't hurt him. Don't do that. <laughs> I don't get that with Cody. It's like, you beat up Cody. Like, Brody Lee beat up Cody. I was like, so? But <laughs> I don't know who you could bring in Miro to beat up. But. The whole point is, is like he's been woefully underutilized. He's way too good for this. Yeah. It's just you can't. What they'll notice is that you can't just throw someone in there and be like, oh, we're going to push him later and just think you can flip the switch and audiences won't remember them middling for six months, right? I, I think this is what happened with Scorpio Sky. It's like, yo, we're going to push him, but you have him doing nothing. Or you, you even pad his stats on AW Dark. But when he gets up, it's like, okay, so so what? Like, he's just been doing nothing. You're just pushing him for what? Yeah. So you, you can't, yeah, like, you can't just flip a switch on guys. To, I mean, kind of what we're seeing with the Young Bucks. Like, you're like, they're just so good that we can let them do whatever and then flip the switch and they be champions whenever. 
And now it's like, okay, but we need a little more. Like you just left the middling, so now we don't know who they are. They they gotta figure it out. They, they yeah. Again, this I mean, they 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 have, they will, but yeah. Yeah. It, it's just it's a weird way of going about True. it. Once the roster settles and we get fans, I, I think that's one thing that really benefits AEW. And um, we'll talk about NXT, I guess, in a second. But an NXT on that to that matter is they are so different and almost dependent on instant gratification from their fan base because their fan base is very rabid. Yeah. Like, Full Sail drives a lot of the NXT decisions because you know if someone has it or don't have it immediately. In AEW, those crowds on those pay-per-views show-to-show were so hot, you know when someone's red hot and over. Without that, it becomes real difficult sometimes to know if you're steering a character in the right way. True. So I think when we get fans back, we'll see AEW really figure it out and hit that next gear. And then I think we'll see NXT try to put the wheels back on, uh, you know, the bike that is now wobbling. Meh, that's fair. So fans, I think, drive both of these programs really well. Um, Britt Baker had a good segment. Looks like her and Thunder Rosa are going into the thing. Listen, man, Thunder Rosa is the best woman on the roster, and she's not on the roster. Yeah, I got to figure that shit out. So let let that speak for what it is. Uh, Britt Baker, though, crushes it all the time on the mic. Um, Chris Jericho versus Frankie Kazarian. Whatever. It's, um, yo. it's almost vacation time for Jericho. It is. And clearly, because like, next week they're going to settle this whole inner circle and MJF thing, and they had the, uh, you know, the diamond ring fucking battle royal yeah. and we got Orange Cassidy versus MJF here's all I care about I care about one thing the fuck you gonna do with LAX I don't give a shit what you do with anybody <laughs> else like I, I don't care like look I think Samuel Guevara is fine wherever he goes I think um, Jericho taking a vacation he'll be a super over babyface when he comes back mm-hmm. uh, MJF is gonna re- he's gonna be one of the better heels Wardlow is an interesting one because he's got a ton of potential. They're going to have to eventually separate him from MGF, but I'm in no hurry for that to happen. We don't need, like, they can't figure out what to do with Miro. So, what the fuck? I don't need that, any of that yeah. to happen. But LAX, too good to not be doing something after this. They need to be involved in, in a very, like, they had that program with the best friends and they ended, and then it was like everything ended for them. <laughs> in the match of the year, can Yes. They, and they were just like, womp, womp, womp. It's an embarrassment of spoils that AEW has. They have tremendous talent. But LAX, separate if they got to separate from the inner circle and do their own thing, the time is now. And, it, and listen, I know we talk about the old people coming in, but I'd love to see them with Conan. I don't give a fuck. Bring Conan <laughs> back just for LAX. Yes, that is another old person. I mean, um, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't think I saw him on this episode, but... If Eddie Kingston is still in the feud with the Death Triangle, and like say you know Pac beats the shit out of him, and he needs to even the odds because it's three against one, I wouldn't mind seeing LAX come and pair up with Eddie Kingston. I wouldn't mind that either. And you go three versus three with them in Death Triangle, and now you got an interesting dynamic for me. Just the whole point is like stop. Like I've, I've been patient with LAX, but. The Young Bucks and LAX need to have a program. Oh, yeah, yeah. They got to get into this title picture. Yes. Now. Right now. 
<laughs> but at the same time, I want FTR to get a little bit more out of embarrassment of riches. Yeah, they got they got they have everything that They're WWE does. The they have they have great tag teams, and WWE does not. But they are so crowded, they haven't figured out how to how to parse it out. So I still don't know where the mid card is. I don't know who's in the mid card. They don't know either. I think they just got a bottom and a top, and that is it. Like you, you're you're jobbing, or you're the comedy relief in dark order, or you're at the top. So it's it's tough, man. Tough. Um, who's the TNT champion? Cody. No, Darby. Cody's. I'm sorry. Darby. Darby. Yes. Okay, Jesus, okay. I can't believe I said Cody. Yeah. Um, and then main event, Moxley versus Omega. I thought one. I was shocked. It was only like 20 minutes. Um, of TV time, I thought it was going to be long. Like the way they talked it up, and like, oh, they're going to let us go longer. I was like, yo, are they going to wrestle 45, 50 minutes? But um, I thought it was it was well done for what it was. Kenny Omega threw a million V triggers. Oh, he he threw some he threw some brutal ones towards the end. <laughs> yo, he was hitting mocks with everything, and uh, I like that. You know, to me, this wasn't a match that needed a bunch of weapons, a bunch of you know. St- it had some, some no holds barred aspects, but it was one of those where still Kenny Omega tried to pull Moxley into traditional wrestling, and Mox just took an ass whooping and kept ticking. This is the best style of of Moxley match I think we can get. You know, like this is his version of ring psychology in actual wrestling match that I like. I think this is the zone that I like him in. Saw it a little bit with Minoru Suzuki for a second until that went outside and went haywire. Yeah, I mean, look, they hit us with the bait and switch. By them telling us it could go over, it was so we wouldn't count down at, like, the 58, and we were like, all right, they got to go home now. So we didn't know when the end was going to happen. So there's two things I liked about this match. One, I liked that Don Callis was the reason that Omega won and completed the heel turn. This was more of a story driver than it was meant to be a great match. Even though the match was really good. Yep. The purpose was to finish the heel turn of Kenny Omega. Pairing him with his good friend Don Callis. And getting one over on Moxley who hadn't lost this year. And he won by crook. So it's clear. Like even as Omega and Callis were running out of the building. And the, all the wrestlers were like, what the fuck are you doing? Like you used the weapon and you, you beat Moxley basically at his own game. But you, it was some douchey shit to do. Um, I'm curious now because now they bring attention to Impact and like find out on Impact, which brings us to this whole: is there a talent share about to happen? And if there is, oh boy, this is this is significant. Do you like it? Oh, I love it. Cause oh, my thing is though, and I, I'm not in a position to dislike it necessarily. I think this is a very good thing for Impact. How could it not be? But we just talked about how crowded and embarrassment of riches they already have. Now you're talent sharing. It's not necessarily like New Japan where you have an abundance of tournaments or bringing talent for specific reasons. Talent sharing now takes away from even what you have. Uh, see, I- And you're still trying to fit people in. And what you're talking about a second show, you might need a second show. If you're trying to talent share. Well, see, here's where I disagree. I think what could work for AW in this is that 
they it's not about necessarily a whole bunch of impact people coming over or a whole bunch of AEW people going over. But let's just say guys who aren't getting a ton of TV time in AEW can do some work in impact specifically um, some of these tag teams, you know, like, and for impact bringing some of those women over there to fill up this fucking hellhole known as the women's division in AEW. That'll be huge. Meanwhile, it's like, there are matches you can do. You can do Moxley and Sammy Callahan. You can do, um, I mean, who knows? Because now we're doing Chris Bay versus Rich, Rich Swan, which is something we'll talk about next week. The diversity initiative and impact is incredible because they're not even talking about it. They're just doing this shit. It's just normal, yeah, which is great. They're just Moose is, is still over there, which, by the way, you give me, like, um, Moose and what, what's the big the big dude in AEW? Uh well, now he's Powerhouse Hobbs. Powerhouse Hobbs. Willie Hobbs. I, I wouldn't mind that. No. It'd be a nice little matchup between those two. See, I don't see. Um, if this is some, if they did this like every week, it'd be stupid, right? But I feel like yeah. Callus is an impact. And I feel like there's nothing wrong with doing something on impact to help them out. And then, you know, maybe Deanna Perrazzo comes over to AEW to do some shit, right? In a champion versus champion match or some shit like that. Which which is weird because you already have like the NWA title in the women's division being better than the AEW one. Now you'd get the Impact one, and you'd have like the third best title on your own brand. Yeah, but I think you is odd. But in a talent share, I mean, a couple of things could happen where may I don't know, man. Like somebody like Jordan Grace, right? Like there's there's so many women yeah. that could make an impact. <laughs> pun intended. <No>. Um, <laughs> In AEW's women division, that could really help. And there are uh, underutilized talent in an overstuffed AEW roster that can come to impact and make some noise while getting some work in. Like, who wouldn't want to see, let's say, who's the best tag team? Let's see, the North, right? The North, yeah. Um, it, I would like the North versus FTR instead of the Young Bucks. But which would be incredible. I think they would work great. But it's like, then you got tag teams like Private Party, which would have been great to see Private Party and the Rascals. But, you know, Rascals are no yeah. longer Desmond Xavier is now with WWE. Um, um, both. Uh, tag teams in WWE, we don't know where Trey is going. Yeah, we don't know where Trey Miguel is going. Um, but I, I, like, I like this, and I feel like some people are like, well, you're going to give attention to Impact. Look, Impact is not a threat. They're not on like they're not on TNT. They're not on USA. Most people can't figure out how to watch this shit. Nobody can. And it's because if it was Ring of Honor, I wouldn't be complaining either because they need help. Yeah. So I have no problem with this. I think Don Callis is amazing, and I think there's a lot of cool shit they can do. I would always like to see one dual branded pay per view between promotions. A year, not like fucking Survivor Series. I was about to say like Survivor Series, but but literally <laughs> impact described Survivor. Yeah, but impact versus AEW because it's something that you do and then you don't do it again, right? Like you do it like once a year, where you have the impact Survivor Series is once a year. But but, yeah, it, but Survivor Series is bullshit because AJ Styles was just fucking on SmackDown, right? It's like you see those guys on the brands throughout the year. You don't see the impact talent commingling with AEW ever. You could. Like, technically, if they have a talent share, you could. You could, but, that's the t- but, but yeah, maybe but. that's the talent share, right? Like, maybe yeah. there is a show that they do that is a joint promotion between Impact and AEW, and they do it once, and they leave the shit alone. I like it. It doesn't count as a normal pay-per-view. Like, you'd think, like, you, you're looking at AEW, and they're going three months between pay-per-views. 
that's a nice little like teaser in the middle of those spaces. Right. And then think about this. Like, how did we mark out when Ring of Honor and New Japan were doing that shit at the anniversary? And then you st- Oh, crazy. Exactly. Crazy. Yeah, just give us dream match. Yeah, just give Champ versus Champs. Yeah. Um, you know, like you said, Moxley Callahan on some deathmatch shit. Give us just craziness. Darby Allen versus whoever's the X Division champion at the time. You know, you could do Ace Austin and Darby Allen. I'm here for it. Like, give give me. <sighs> yeah, give me all that shit. There, you know, there's so much you can do because you do it once and then you leave the shit alone. So, WWE can't do it. Till, till next year. Like, yeah, but WWE yeah. can't do it because Raw and SmackDown are the same show. And, they, and the talent has hopped back and forth so many times that there is no, like, he's an impact. Like, they are yeah. true. There's no dream. There's no dream to the No, there's like, the Rich Swan is an impact guy. Moose is an yeah. impact guy. Moose versus Wardlow would truly be like powerhouse versus powerhouse between two promotions. And then we'll never see the shit again. Yeah. I can do that. The closest WWE got is when NXT joined Survivor Series. And and even that. Because it was like, okay, like, Keith Lee is in the ring with Brock Lesnar. Like, some wild shit. Keith Lee, Roman Reigns. That felt like, oh, okay, we're getting some, like, dream component because they don't intermingle. Yeah, but now they do. Because <laughs> the call-ups. No, I mean, with the call-ups. But, I mean, we won't see this for another two years you know so that added a lot of intrigue yeah i mean it, it helps like if you adam cole like coming up adam cole hasn't been back since those two years yeah it's just, but the, the point is is like we all expect adam cole to be in raw or smackdown at some point whereas with impact you don't expect rich swan to sign with AEW. yeah you do i mean but you don't you don't those are impact guys those are straight up impact guys and to do that like it's like it's like once upon a time before interleague play happened, the American League and the National League never faced each other until the World Series. They didn't touch each other. Interleague play changed yeah. that. Right? World Series All-Star game. Only times they used to meet. And it made it special. Cause then you say, oh well shit, Pedro Martinez and Randy Johns. Like you would go through those things like Roger Clemens and Nolan Ryan. Like, well shit. They were in the well, when Nolan Ryan was an Astro. Um, but you would have that. Like WWE can't do it because three weeks ago I just saw Drew McIntyre on SmackDown. Yeah. So. No, that makes sense. So, yeah, I would love to see that. It'd be smart. We'll see where this goes. I guess, like everyone else, we have to wait until Tuesday. Yeah, I'm watching. And I don't know how. I can't even remember what network it's on, but I'm watching the shit. I don't know where the hell Access is, but I'll find a streaming app. And strangely so enough, keep this in mind. Strangely enough, Final Resolutions next Saturday. Swan versus really? Bay. Oh, yeah, yeah, the 12th. So they could be promoting their could show. Could be some shenanigans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and who like who wouldn't want to see Gallows and this Anderson tr- and the Bucks <laughs> get into Come it? Come on. Come on. Yeah, give me a run-in or two at the pay-per-view. Yeah. Give me some, like, yeah, let's start some beef. Some juice. I'm There's some juice on this, man. I'm with it. What? <sighs> Old Bullet Club ties? You have Kenny Omega coming? There's a lot of Bullet Club in that scenario i like it there's some tricky tricky stuff that can go with that so we'll see how that plays out let's take our last break come back and we're just going to talk nxt to take the show home so you guys stay right there we'll be right back we'll get right back to the show in a second but first the wait is finally over football is back you might not be able to be at a game this year but you can still be in on the action at bet online 
Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to teams, player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we are back for the home stretch, and we're talking NXT TakeOver War Games. I think this War Games 3, I believe, Undisputed Era of course, has been involved in every single one of these, so it's going to be fun. We had a go-home show this Wednesday, Dre, that you were not a fan it, of. It was one. It was horrible. I can't blame you because too much was up in the air going into the go-home show, and then it just felt really rushed. Dude, I mean, we can kind of brief this. So we got a Jake Atlas-Tony Nice match. Why? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, it, 205 Live, they've been beefing, but that's not, that's not the time. No, it's your go-home show for TakeOver. Yeah. Right? Not the time or place. Here's where I was when I was mentioning the Bucks earlier. What the fuck are they doing with the grizzled young veterans? I don't know. They just came back. And they, they immediately entered a feud with um, uh, Eichner Imperium. Yeah. And then Everrise interrupts? What are we doing? I love Ever. But the, so, I, mean, I know you do. But my question is, <laughs> whatever we can do to get them in. But here. why are we doing this on the go home show for Takeover? <laughs> Bro, like this is something honestly you could have taped and just ran next cuz you always have that like default like buffering. Yeah. Paper, you know, uh Takeover after the pay-per-view. That would have been great for that. I, I couldn't like the booking of this show. I just totally didn't understand. I don't know. Then and then. Wait, what else happened? Um. Uh, Team Shotzi. Oh, which listen, this is so this is dumb. This this bothers me. I I think Shotzi has been great. She's probably been um, the most improved women's talent this year, right? I think she has a very bright future. It is great. I strongly strongly dislike you're teasing this final member. And the women's champion <laughs> joins Shotzi Blackheart. Who the fuck is Shotzi Blackheart compared to the women's champion? Right. Why is she captain over Io Shirai? This, this, this annoyed the hell out of me. First of all, makes no sense. The That's horrible. The entire women's war games match bothers me. I don't like any of it. It feels so. The booking was. It bad. feels very forced. Right. I like the idea of Tony Storm and Ember Moon just having a feud and not being involved yeah. in war games. I like the idea of Rhea Ripley going LeRae. going somewhere else. <laughs> like Larray and Blackheart had a good feud. Larray stole the take, right? And wrecked the take. That's just a good solo feud. They don't have to be captains. No. That. So the women. This is this is why I say the WWE influence is strong. Because now you're just shoehorning shit in the match because it's a theme pay-per-view. You don't have to do that. Yeah. I mean, they've had it in past years, but somehow they've seemed to make it make sense. At least the champ was always captain. Yeah, like, how is Io Shirai joining anybody? This Anyone. Like, anyone. What? What are we doing? 
I don't know, that made no sense. And then um, Johnny Gargano's funny on commentary, so I didn't mind that. And even, you know what, even this match, uh, dude, they're going to have to show me something. Because they've treated Leon Ruff like a bitch. And he's the champ, but, you know, it's, it's a lot different than Rey Mysterio and Big Show versus, like, Leon Ruff and, and Damian Priest, right? It just yes. doesn't look like... Ruff hasn't given me enough offense to make me think that he that the only thing he can do in this match is get fucking abused. Yeah, I mean, it's real... You know, like one, two, three, kid, Sean Waltman story. Which even with one, two, three, kid, like you looked at Waltman, and even though he was a jobber, like when he won, it was like, well, you know, he's he's not, he didn't look absurdly out of place, right? Uh, he didn't. No, I mean, he lost to Razor Ramon. That outfit with the fucking lightning bolts are ridiculous. The outfit was crazy, but, yeah. but I'm talking about size wise, <laughs> like, no, no, what no. they've done with Leon Ruff is that. Like, I enjoyed the whole moment of winning, but I don't think they thought really much further than him winning and what kind of moment that was going to be. Because now it's like, he doesn't really do anything in his matches, but get beat up. And he's a champ, and I'd like to see him get some offense in or get mad, but he's so frail he's and small. to in this match. I mean, Damian Priest is going to, he should throw him over the plexiglass. Yeah, rough. I mean, rough makes Gargano look Right. Good. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's definitely a crazy dynamic. We have... Uh, Dexter Loomis versus Cameron Grimes. This, they this is too long. Pretty much wrapped it up into a strap this, match. This has gone on yeah. too long. I don't know what else they have to do. So I, I, the length of the feud didn't bother me. Why we need this on the pay-per-view, I'm not sure. Other feuds have not gotten placement. I remember at one time it was like Keith Lee versus Jack, and they couldn't even squeeze it into the pay-per-view. But we get Loomis and Grimes. Well, that's I, and I like Grimes. I guess that's my but problem. It's like, like I don't know. after Halloween having it, did that whole haunted house thing. I was like, okay, they can move on now. That's how I felt. Yeah, I was like, they can yeah. move on now. They've they've culminated this feud with this, this haunted house thing, and Grimes, you know, he made a good account for himself, even though you know he lost. And Loomis, you know, he's Loomis. He's established himself as like the horror guy or whatever you want to call him. But now we're doing a strap yeah. match, and in my mind, I'm like, they're doing it so Grimes can't get away from Loomis. But why? Good reasoning. It just doesn't feel big enough to be on a takeover. No. Because, again, I tune into takeover to have great quality matches. I'm not sure how this becomes a great quality match. Yeah, so. Out of place. Yeah. Um, Thatcher, Tommaso Ciampa. Sure. <sighs> Put it in my veins. I like I like the match. And I've, I've kind of liked the build. Although, I've, the only thing that I thought was weird about the build is Ciampa's the way he got here because it felt like Champa was just going back heel right for a good second yeah and then it was like I guess he's not because Thatcher's a heel but ultimately Thatcher versus Champa is something I want to see so I don't care we're here now Thatcher's catch wrestling thing is fun and they gave him more personality than I ever could have imagined so uh, it's cool yeah, I thought that's a great way to play his character. The The only weird thing to me is that we get to take over. And I, I felt like I've said this four times, the only weird thing to me. Uh, there's a lot of weird things to me. But you look at this and we don't have Kushida on the card. There was going to be when my next He's been complaint. the hottest act the past two months. And you built him so well to not have him in a feud. I, I honest to God think they had him build up to feud with Balor. On this card, and Balor's getting his broad, his uh, his jaw broken, really through shit for a spin, 
and maybe they were hoping Finn would be okay for this, and he's just not ready yet. But I, I think this was the Kushida Finn Balor match. You know that just couldn't come to fruition. You know what's strange? Not all that strange. I don't know when Karrion Cross is coming back. But they, they yeah. got the, He looks healthy as hell on his though. They got the title off of Karrion so quick when he got hurt. And they've not really said much about Balor being hurt. So I know it's like a touchy situation because it's like we can't have him vacate the title again. Yeah, um, not again. And I know War Games is centered around this whole McAfee and Undisputed Era feud. And I understand that. But I feel like there should be a Kushida versus somebody number one contender match. That's what I thought. Like, you could fit him somewhere, right? Like, I thought they were going to fit him in between Thatcher and Champa. Yeah, like, I, like I, I'm thankful that they figured out that, hey, man, nobody wants to see Velveteen Dream anymore. And he's just kind of vanished. Yeah, yeah. But Dungaree Kushida has been on this roll. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call him that. I don't care because he wears dungarees. Uh, he wears the Buddy Lees. But how can you not fit him on this takeover? But we got a Grimes versus Loomis strap match? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like he got to come out and beat the shit out of Ciampa if Ciampa wins. Something. Something. I just need an appearance. Yeah, man. To, to keep the momentum going. Because, listen, Halloween Havoc wasn't a real paper. No, it wasn't. So him doing his thing at Halloween Havoc, like, that doesn't do anything for me. You've been building him as, you know, that next, like, crazy push. What, he's lost once this year? He Yo. I was like, yo, they figured like, it out. How is he not on this? And yeah, then, then we don't get another paper. Well, I guess we get one during the Royal Rumble. So it's only a month. Maybe. They might, oh, yeah. again, last year Royal Rumble was the battle of the brand, which you might not be able to do this year, depending on how Rona true, plays out. True, true. Um, yeah, I mean, we can see maybe, maybe we get that. Maybe we get, you know, the solid pay-per-view, which is cool because that's just January, right? That's a month and a half. Um and then maybe you get Cross coming back towards Mania season. But it's it's jumbled. The the title picture is jumbled because it was just vacate. Keith Lee gets pulled up out of nowhere. And then he vacates the North American title and then gets pulled up two weeks later and loses his belt. That guy gets injured, comes, Finn Balor takes it, he gets injured. It's just, it's been no stability in that belt since July. Yeah, and a lot of bad luck is at fault. So I tried to give him a little bit of credit because the, the injuries have sucked. But, man, this is weird. Yeah, wild, yo, wild. So um, I feel like we talked about the whole buildup. Let's just give our official predictions for each match before we get out of here. So uh, Team Shotzi versus Team Candice. Baby faces always win this in the women's match. So give me Shotzi for the win. Yeah, yeah. Unless Tony Storm picks up a pin, but I don't. <sighs> yeah, I'll have to go with Team Shotzi. I don't want to. I want the heels to win. But I can't figure out who loses. The only thing I can figure out, which would kind of make sense, because they've already fucked this Eosurai thing up anyway, is that, um, but see, they already got Tony Storm versus Ember Moon. Unless somebody yeah, turns me. on EO, which doesn't make any sense, but I felt like they were going to go in the direction of Tony Storm pinning EO Shirai to set up that kind of a feud because EO has nobody to feud with right now. No. I mean, if you want to go the turn, Ember would be the one to turn. True. On EO. But she just had Tony Storm turn on it. So this is this is all silly and convoluted. Yeah, it's a turn and a turn and a turn. Yeah, too many turns. I don't know. Give me the baby face winning clean. We figure the rest out going going forward. Um, then we have Leah Ruff, Gargano, Damian Priest. 
Mm, give me Damian Priest. Man. Yeah, it feels like the only way to go here. Yeah, I don't know if Gargano needs to become a three-time champ. And Leon Ruff, I mean, he can't hold his title. That was, it was funny, yeah, but no, nah, this this the end for Leon yeah. Ruff. Congrats on the engagement, young man. Oh, yes, that's beautiful. That's fantastic. Yeah, but uh, yeah. This, this gold is <laughs> this gold's coming off of the waist. Uh, Dexter Loomis versus Cameron Grimes. Loomis is going to win again, which is weird because I would say 50-50 booking usually would say Grimes would win since he lost at Halloween Havoc, but... I think Loomis wins again. I'm picking Grimes. Shenanigans. Okay. You Don't know do how. Cheap shit. Yeah. You could do shenanigans in a strap match. Also, let me go back. There may be a way that Gargano wins because I need to find out who these other hooded figures are. Can we get that? Can we figure that part out, please? Oh shit! There were two yeah. hooded figures now. Who could right? it be? And we know who the woman figure was. Yeah, Andy Hartwell. Yeah, I'm with him. Yeah. Okay. Ooh, I'm not mad at that. I hope it's not the Rascals. No. Could be, but I doubt it. Could be. Could be. You know, those placeholders. Could be the Rascals. But I don't want them with Gargano necessarily. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. They need new tag team blood, so fingers crossed that it's at least a tag team. Because somebody needs to compete in the tag team division. Yeah. And then uh, Thatcher versus Ciampa. Mm. Give me... Give me Ciampa. Give me Ciampa. Yeah. I feel like Ciampa just beat Thatcher, though. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I don't know. Yeah, give me Ciampa. Um, again, I just want to see. I, I just want to see a run-in of some sorts. Like I just, I need Anikashita to just make his presence felt, and give me a reason to, you know. Find out. I think he goes into that main event picture. I think if Ciampa wins and Kushida beats the shit out of him, maybe we see Finn Balor come in and challenge him or something, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, you're bullying people. This is my show. You can't bully the people. Some shit. Um, and then main event, Undisputed Era versus Pat McAfee, Pete Dunn, Danny Birch, and Only Lorcan. Pat is good on the mic. I never got to see him in the ring again. Like I, I don't got to. I mean, I'm just saying. Like I don't got to see him in NXT ever again after this. Um, I feel like they called him in a pinch with the injuries and all this shit. Cool. Um, but even with that, I, I don't need to see Pat McAfee around. He's good though. He's been he's been good in his. So role. you're picking undisputed era. Yeah, I'm picking undisputed. Yeah. Era. Me too. Um, they've lost both, right? They've been in all of them, lost. I can't remember. They might have won their first. I, I honestly no. can't remember. So here's my thing about this match. They've lost both. Ricochet definitely fucking did a double backflip off of the cage and beat him. He one definitely year. did that crazy shit. Um, here's my problem with this match. Like, I think McAfee was always in the plan. The more that I think about it. Because I think yeah. McAfee was really paying Rich Holland to attack Adam Cole. Oh, yep, yep. Pete Dunn wasn't in the plan. So, well, it makes me wonder this because if if Dunn wasn't, I me I I don't think uh, Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch were always in the plan. They felt weird hmm. to be involved. Interesting. So I think it may have been Dunn, Holland, and somebody else. So which makes me wonder who that somebody else would be. Dunn looks so damn good. He does. Though. But this match, so okay, watching NXT and like. They come out, McAfee talks again. And I'm like, all right, I'm tired of McAfee talking. Even though he's good on the mic, yes. I just feel like every week yes. they just do the same shit. 
But I felt like, didn't they say something about the Undisputed Era doing something at the end of the show? And then I felt like nothing happened? Yeah, no, they they teased it in that promo, right, with the suits? Yeah, and then nothing happened. Am I am I crazy? Did I miss something? I didn't think they were going to do anything. I mean... Th- I just thought that was the, the tease for the match. I don't know. It just feels like this 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 feud feels really lukewarm. Like, it feels like it's not like a War Games type of feud. No, because Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan, they don't do it for me in this room. No, they don't. And they don't really have an established feud with anybody because they got one yeah. over on Breezango, but not really the Undisputed Era. And then... No, and they're not believable as no, heels. Exactly. That part, too. And then... As much as I like Pete Dunne, they really should have played his revenge on Roderick Strong more than anything. But even then, you would have been like, well, I side with Pete Dunne. Because, yeah, Roderick Strong did him dirty. But yeah. but the whole there's no real feuds outside of Pat McAfee and Adam Cole. Everybody else is just there. Kyle O'Reilly just challenged for the title as a singles competitor. Why? And that, it makes me go, why is this match happening? Oh, because it's a fucking War Games takeover and we need a feud. Pretty so much. give me the undisputed era, but my question really becomes: What happens after this match? I hope Kyle O'Reilly, if you know he doesn't get that main event push, which I don't think it's there right now, um, I would love to see him go after the North American title. Yeah, I don't know what Cole does, but I think Kyle O'Reilly being able to get another notch closer to an NXT Grand Slam champ would be really yeah. cool. Well, hopefully. Yeah, so, no, that's it, man. That's the pay-per-view. That is War Games. We've been at this for, like, almost an hour and 45 minutes. So we will let the people get a rest, and we'll touch on the WWE main roster on Sunday because I'm pretty sure back-to-back wrestling shows this week because uh, we have this pay-per-view coming up. So I'm sure we'll either recap this unless some wild shit happens in boxing that I don't foresee. So it's probably back-to-back wrestling shows where we'll talk main roster and recap this for our Sunday show. So it was great talking wrestling with all of you guys. We appreciate it. Thank you for following us on social media. If you haven't already, it's at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter, at Corner Club for Life on Instagram. You can follow me at Cal Dansby, him at Andreas Hale on all platforms. Check out his book on thewellverse.net. It's on to Pippin Butterfly. It is impeccable. Tons of praise coming your way, old man. I love to see it. Giving you your flowers while you are here to see him. So uh, if you guys haven't checked that out, make sure you guys get your orders in. Only 10 bucks, Well worth it. You'll read it multiple times. It is great. Also, follow our other show, Wrestling with Stereotypes, on adfreeshows.com. It's on Patreon. Make sure you guys sign up there. Great, great network. Shout out to Conrad. Great to be a part of it. Our interviews are so fun with professional wrestlers telling you their journey and how it is being a minority in professional wrestling. Make sure you guys check that out. Until next time, though, you guys stay safe, stay Rona-free. We're out. Peace. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.